This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm David Hirsch, and when I'm not hosting the Dad-to-Dad podcast for the Special Fathers Network, which is a Dad-to-Dad mentoring program for fathers raising kids with special needs, I'm Stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to this thrilling roller coaster of a podcast. On today's episode, will there be big deals on theme park admissions this summer? How will parks cope with coronavirus? We'll ask Mr. Theme Park Insider himself, Robert Niles. Plus, more than 26 million Americans have already sought unemployment funds. Hackers will be on the hunt for more victims. During our headline segment, we'll discuss 10 unemployment scams you'll want to avoid. Don't worry, we'll also toss out the Haven Lifeline to answer Lisa's question about how to best use her HSA. And we'll save time for my theme park trivia. And now, two guys who put the hot air in the balloons, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Ah, glorious hot air three days a week. Welcome to another episode of the Stacking Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And here, ready for, you know, we have a few shows that are our favorites every year. Perennial favorite, Mr. OG. I'm your perennial favorite. Thank you. You're here celebrating our perennial favorite. I, that that oh. sentence didn't come out right. It's Monday. Oh, no, it came out right. It is. It was exactly right. <laughs> How are you, man? You ready to talk theme parks this summer? Are we I there? Get me to, I got to get me to a theme park. I haven't been to, I mean, I can't count Disney as a theme park, but no. You what the can hell are you Disney talking about? Theme park. Do you want to see the gloves come off? 
table goes over. Disney's its own experience. It's true. When I think of theme parks, I think Six Flags, Cedar Point, yeah. you know. Yeah. I haven't been to any of those places in so long. Knott's Berry Farm. You ever go to Knott's Berry Farm? Negative Ghost Rider. No. Fantastic stuff. Hey, you know what else is fantastic? Subscribing to the Stacker because you're going to find out everything going on in the basement. We've got some big stuff looming, OG. Man, you think it couldn't get any bigger after we joined Westwood One a couple weeks ago? We got even bigger, bigger news coming up. If you want to be the first to get it, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. And you'll also get Joe's money lessons there. And before we get rolling, OG, just got to say a big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacking Benjamins. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. Big, big things happening today in the basement. Every year at this time, we talk to Robert Niles, runs the biggest website for theme park information on the web, Theme Park Insider. Obviously, OG, it's a it's a weird year to talk about theme parks, but hey, man, if, if you're going out there and you want to have a good time, I think that's a year you're going to find some deals, and we're about to find out from Robert Niles. But first, we've got some headlines, so let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. It's funny that I just said, let's get the party started, and this guy's not going to be having a party for some time. This comes to us from Market Watch, written by Sean Langlois. He started the day with 77,000 OG, but by midnight, he owed $9 million. Uh-oh. Ruh-roh-roh. Yeah, might not. Pull uh, up. Pull up. Terrain. Might have a problem. <laughs> it shows a guy in a bathtub, by the way, and his bathtub is uh, full is of crude. Is he missing a kidney? <laughs> well, it's either blood or it's crude oil, but I think based on the story, it's crude oil. Remember how we told everybody a couple of weeks ago, don't get involved with stuff you don't understand. We talked about oil going negative. Here's a guy that got into the thing that we warned you about back then. Sean writes, that's Syed Shah, a 30-year-old day trader in Toronto. By the way, it says not pictured. It says that's not him in the bathtub full of crude. That's not him. <laughs> that's Got not it. him. Okay. But he might as well have been. But 30-year-old day trader, okay, in Toronto, whose ill-fated attempt to dip his toe into the oil pits, trading CLOO, was covered in a recent story by Bloomberg News. On April 20th, Shaw started with about $77,000 in his account. He put $2,400 toward buying crude, first at $3.30 a barrel, and then even more he bought when it went to $0.50. Cents. From there, it got interesting. Ultimately, as the historic plunge in oil prices took hold, he was able to load up on futures at a penny each. It went to a penny. He's like, it can't get lower than a penny. It's oil. Dummy, what could go wrong? They're not making any more of it. <laughs> Turns out that penny price tag was pretty expensive. In reality, crude was already trading at negative 370 a barrel, not at one cent, but the minus sign wasn't recognized due to a glitch in the Interactive Brokers Group software. What if there's a lawsuit there, by the way? Is there a lawsuit? Or is there some type of hold harmless thing when you use somebody's... I I have no idea. Beyond our pay grade. But here's the way yeah. this goes. By the end of the day, Shaw got the message. His 77000 had turned into a $9 million debt. Negative $9 million. 
Shucks. So the real question is, did he double down? Did he go margin? Shock. He can't go lower than negative 37. Yeah. Shaw explained to Bloomberg News he didn't sleep for three straight nights after that. You think? Earlier this week, Thomas Peter Fye, the billionaire chairman and founder of Interactive Brokers, took the blame for the issue that affected many more traders beyond Shaw. It's a $113 million mistake on our part, he said, adding that traders will be made whole. We'll rebate from our own funds to our customers who were locked in with a long position during the time the price was negative. Any losses, they suffered below zero. How would you love to be weak? No. How would you love to be Syed the day he got that email? Oh, thank you. I think we have to make a lesson of these people. But it wasn't completely his fault. I realized that he got involved in something that he didn't understand fully. Clearly, when you're putting $2,700 into into oil futures that are screaming, screaming from every angle, professionals hate this thing right now, right? Every professional's getting away. And you get what you deserve. On one you hand. You owe $9 million. As I was saying, I get that. But he didn't see, there was no negative sign. It wasn't, it, it had already gone negative. His brokerage account got behind. Don't you think that if it were Charles Schwab, Fidelity, there, there'd be some cul- culpability there? I have no idea. Let this be a lesson to all of you. Do you think he went back to just buying simple he's, ETFs and mutual funds from that point forward? Or do you think he's like, well, <laughs> that didn't burn me. Right. I touch the stove again. Time for me to figure out what I can start doing DraftKings again. So about this company that's putting somebody on Mars. <laughs> I think that's a buy. Oh, boy. Our second headline comes to us from the street.com. Man, wherever there is, uh, there's whatever there's something going on in the universe, OG, you know this. There always, always is some scammer going, hey, I can take advantage of this. This piece is called. 10 Unemployment Scams to Avoid, written by Ellen Chang. Ellen writes, cyber criminals are eager to take advantage of consumers desperate to pay their rent, mortgage, or auto loans, and are seeking various loans and other methods to access cash quickly. I'm sorry. Somebody already can't pay their mortgage, and you're going to scam them out of the last 10 bucks they have? Like, is there a... You only do that if you do that a thousand times, you'll be rich, so... Is there a special ring of hell for those people? I mean, don't get me wrong, scamming anybody, bad. But, oh, you got your last dollar? Here, let's kick you. The Federal Trade Commission has received reports about fraudulent calls, texts, and emails coming from people pretending to be the Social Security Administration, IRS, Census. I got the Census one yesterday, by the way. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC. I actually got a text yesterday And it was so weird. I'm like, why would the census be asking? And it was very professional, I have to say, saying, have you filled out the census? You know that that, that if you fill this out, then then your community will be eligible for more grants and whatever. That's legit. Really? The census one's legit. Yeah. The census text that I got? Yeah. It specifically says like on the form when you got it, it says, if you don't fill this out by, you know, May 1st, we're going to call you and text you and visit you. But I already did. I did. We did it. Six, sure. Six I know. Ago. And you wrote down, like, you know, seven household members and stuff. He committed fraud that way. But um, <laughs> just kidding. Joe didn't commit fraud, census people. I just got to keep him guessing. 
Just got to keep the census guessing. You're like negative three. That's right. That's right. Whenever I look at that 330 million number people living in the United States, I'm like, give or take five. (laughs) Zero. Excuse all the data for all the corporations out there because I put down seven. Because you put the wrong number. But anyways, I, that's what it is. I believe that one was legitimate. I wouldn't have clicked on it anyway. I did not. But I, I but, even uh, blocked the number. Yeah, that'll show them. <laughs> Take that census. Uh, learn you. Number one, pretending to be a government employee. People should be aware that state government websites could also be compromised during this time by criminal or state-sponsored hacking groups, said Kareem said Kareem Hajazi, CEO of Prevalian, a Columbia, Maryland-based cyber intelligence company. State governments typically do not have optimal cybersecurity in place, and they regularly fall victim to a variety of attacks. He said, in our own cyber intel monitoring, we've seen a variety of malware that's beaconing out of many state government networks, which means the networks themselves are compromised and to some extent under the control of criminal hackers. Uh, The rush to file unemployment Filings online is leaving cyber criminals to infect these government websites with Magecart or other similar malware that could be used to capture data entered into these online forms. Man, that's ugly. You go to get your unemployment check and some criminals sitting on the site watching everything you put in. Number two, pre-recorded calls. In the midst of a worldwide pandemic and potential global economic depression, criminals are seeking to profit from the plague, says Rui Lopez, engineering and technical support director at Panda Security, a Boston-based provider of IT security solutions. Unemployment scams on the rise through social engineering, robocalls, or email phishing. Number three out there, fake stimulus checks. Fake stimulus checks. I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't seen any stimulus checks. I'll take any kind. Real fake, it don't matter. Just give me a fake one. One of those big ones that I can hold up. <laughs> 3700 You take that into the bank. If we could go into the bank, wouldn't that be funny? Walk in and, hey, I got my stimulus check. Some guy came with a, with like a van and a bunch of balloons <laughs> <laughs> and said, here's your stimulus. You're the winner of those stimulus checks. It's like, it's like Hunger Games, only backwards. In some cases, victims may receive fake checks in the mail. According to the FTC, these checks will eventually bounce, but while the bank's trying to process the check, the victim will be contacted by the scammer. Scammer will tell them they were overpaid and they have to return the excess amount immediately. Number four, scam websites. Number five, fake emails or phishing. Number six, pretending to be a worker for the SBA. Number seven, fraudulent employment websites. Number eight, fake recruiters. Number nine, smishing scam. What's a smishing scam? There's a high likelihood we'll see text message phishing scams that try to take advantage of the rise in unemployment claims. Smishing is now a common practice among criminals and is more difficult to detect than email phishing. Unlike with email, there's no spam filter to block these messages. Oh, it's uh, social messaging. Smishing. Smishing. New word alert. Number 10, fake resumes. That's ugly. Got to be on the lookout, OG. I think that is lesson number one. Lesson number two is if you're uh, getting involved with oil or something else that looks like it's too good to be true, probably is. Robert Niles. 
I think this is Robert's sixth year of talking to us about what's going on in theme parks. And clearly, OG, this is going to be the weirdest visit with Robert that we've had. But listen, if you are worried about your dollars this summer and who isn't, and you want to get out of the house, I've been reading a lot about some of the stuff that theme parks are doing. And if you're wondering, A, what deals are out there? Is there a way for us to do more with less? B, how's it all going to work? C, can I maybe even parlay this into deals for next year? Well, the man behind ThemeParkInsider.com, Robert Niles. I'm my dad, Shortwave. And I'm my dad, Shortwave. It's weird not to have this guy in the basement after all these years <laughs> here for his annual visit. You can hear him like I can. It's Mr. Robert Niles, Mr. Theme Park Insider. Hey, I'm still in the basement. I'm just in my own basement <laughs> that's, now. That's right. I yeah. haven't been out for weeks. <laughs> Isn't that, especially for a guy who's used to being out, Robert, like you are at theme parks, this has got to be a whole big change. Well, I'm just kind of pretending that I'm stuck in It's a Small World for months at a time, but at least they've turned the music off. <laughs> that is, that is, yes, yeah. I couldn't imagine being stuck in there. I think it'd, <laughs> it'd be bad. Well, well, speaking of that, let's just talk about generally speaking this year. Do you think we're going to have a decent season for theme parks at all, or are we going to see a bunch of theme parks close? Yeah, that's really tough. I think it's going to depend on the park and a lot on location. The parks that typically have a pretty short season, like uh, Cedar Point up in northern Ohio and some of the regional parks that are more in the northern part of the country, they might actually get to a point uh, where if they can't open by 4th of July, mid-July or so, they just say, hey, you know, it's actually cheaper for us to not have a season than to incur all of the startup costs of hiring, training, getting everyone going, and then only being able to spread that out over a few weeks. So I would not be surprised to see some parks. I don't know which ones. I'm not prepared to take a guess. But I wouldn't be surprised to see some parks just say, hey, you know, if we can't get it going pretty early here, let's just skip 2020 and prepare for 2021. Frankly, a lot of the companies, uh, they're borrowing money to prepare for that. Six Flags, Cedar Fair, even SeaWorld, uh, they've all said in recent financial statements that they are prepared to uh, line up lines of credit so that with their cash burn on a monthly basis that they can continue and be ready for 2021, even if they can't open anything in 2020. I do think some parks will open, particularly parks with longer seasons, the year-round parks, but, uh, yeah, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised to see some parks say, you know, let's just wait for next year. We were just on our other show, Money with Friends. We were talking about how restaurants and hotels are offering these uh, phenomenal deals. You don't even have to book yeah. the hotel today. You just give them your money today, and then it's going to be worth maybe a third more later. Are theme parks doing anything similar to that this year? Or, or did, do you think we're going to see that where maybe we're going to get some great deals if we decide to go? What a lot of regional parks are doing right now is with their annual passes, they're extending them into the entirety of the 2021 season. So let's say if you bought a pass at Knott's Berry Farm, for example, uh, you get whatever they're open for in 2020 plus all of 2021. So a lot of parks have that deal out there or they're upgrading you up uh, membership level. 
So instead of just getting one park, you're getting the whole chain. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities out there right now for people who want to go ahead and lock in that annual pass for the 2020 season, however it turns out to be, and basically get 2021 along with that. Wow, that is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that could be a hell of a deal for somebody that just loves theme parks. It's a great deal for uh, fans. It's going to be tough for parks next year right. when they don't get that 2021 annual pass income yeah. that, that they could have counted on. Now, you've known me for a number of years, Robert. I have, I know this is a shock to you, but I have the Disney app on my phone. I know it's strange. Awesome. Awesome. But I'm getting all these cool virtual little games like Disney's doing some of these virtual little things. Are you seeing regional parks do the same thing? Are any companies trying to take this uh, this get-together stuff and make it more social distancing fun? One of the things that we started doing when the parks shut down was uh, I started up just doing little cooking videos from recipes from the parks. I had a bunch from Disney, but uh, Silver Dollar City out in Missouri sent me a couple of recipes. So I cooked up a couple of little skillet dinners, and now we're seeing a lot of parks do kind of the same thing. A holiday World in Indiana, that's one of the parks I always love talking about. They missed their opening day, obviously. So they did a virtual opening day online where they had people, you know, they were cooking pretzels and deep frying stuff. And they were showing ride videos and people were pretending that they you know, were visiting with little cutout Santa Clauses that you could uh, – to do at home. And then they finished up the day with a uh, drone recorded uh, fireworks rehearsal that they had uh, that they had shot before everything shut down. So parks are doing a lot of stuff to try and keep in people's minds and just kind of yeah, Disney, you mentioned they're a lifestyle brand as much as they are a theme park company. So they're constantly trying to get in your head space and they're the best at it. But uh, everyone else in this industry is learning from Disney, too. And they realize that uh, the relationship with the customer doesn't end when you leave the park. You've got to keep that going all the time if you're really going to create that emotional connection that keeps bringing people back again and again. Well, I know what a fan you are of Holiday World, like you just mentioned. And I'm wondering if, and and you've mentioned this deal, great deal they have on the show before, which is that, uh, you know, you get all you can drink drinks. So I guess you can pour yourself all you can drink water while you watch the virtual opening and you're good. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually they are, they are one of the first parks in the United States to announce a reopening. They're actually reopening on... On June 14th, they're going to all virtual queues. So you're going to be using your phone to uh, to get a place in line, and and then they'll tell you when you come back, so you don't actually have to stand next to everybody. And now they're throwing in with the free drinks and the free sunscreen and the free parking, all the free hand sanitizer you want as well. Right. So <laughs> I saw that from uh, our producer Karen sent me something for her favorite park, which is in in uh, Montana. And they were talking about sanitizer at the end of every ride. But generally, what are you seeing that parks are doing to make sure that we stay safe? Because I know they're worried about that every bit as much as you and I are. They want to make sure that nobody gets sick going to a theme park. What are you seeing generally? Generally, what we're seeing is, uh, if we, honestly, the big attraction in 2020 is going to be short lines because uh, whether it's virtual queues or limited capacities, parks just aren't going to have those hour-long waits because they just can't have that number of people in the park in limited spaces at one time like they have in the past. So Six Flags just announced that they're going to an advanced reservation system only for the remainder of 2020, all of their parks. You're going to have to go onto the Six Flags website and make an advance reservation anytime you want to go to one of their parks for the rest of the year. And it's they'll give you a date and time to return. So it's going to be a lot of that limited capacity that, uh, you know, that's going to be the number one weapon in their arsenal against this. 
I'd imagine we're going to see a number of rides at these places close where people have to be close together. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, 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 the science that seems to be emerging at this point is that the risk isn't as great outdoors as it is indoors. That's because you can do a lot more to support social distancing outside. So for things like roller coasters, it may just be you're changing the load pattern up so you don't have as many people on the train. Uh, you've got virtual queues. But for a lot of indoor themed attractions like uh, you know those, uh, those 4D theaters and that sort of yeah. stuff – where you've got water spritzing and it gets on everyone and everyone's tightly packed in. <laughs> yeah, those might not be happening in 2020. Uh, might go uh, off and do something else. But, uh, yeah, definitely it's going to happen on an attraction-by-attraction attraction basis. The park's going to have to make a decision. Is this something that we can operate safely in the current environment or not? When it comes to this year, I mean, you must have been salivating at some of the new stuff that was opening that now is delayed around the nation. What can we expect if we go to some of the different parks around the country that didn't exist last year? I would tell you what, at Universal Studios Hollywood, they had a brand new dark ride. You know, Universal gets a bad rap for everything being screen-based. It's all, you know, movies and stuff. But they had a good old-fashioned, practical, animatronic dark ride that was ready to open literally the day the park closed. Oh, no. <laughs> so that I, I actually got to walk through it on a construction tour a couple of weeks before. It looked, it was, it's called The Secret Life of Pets Off the Leash based on the Secret Lives of Pets franchise. They had over 60 animatronic pets in there. You, you ride in a little shoebox like you're a puppy or something going through, you know, this wonderful New York scene that they created. Yeah, that was ready to go literally the day they closed. Down in Florida at Busch Gardens, Tampa, they had Iron Gwazi, which was this new Rocky Mountain construction hybrid roller coaster, steel track on a wooden frame. It was going to be the biggest, baddest hybrid coaster ever built anywhere in the world. And they were running test trains literally days away from opening. And so we're waiting on that one. Um, I tell you what, though, I think a lot of parks are going to take the rides that they were ready for 2020, and they're just going to hold on to them until 2021. Because there's no real promotional benefit at this point with all that limited capacity. Sure, yeah. You know, no one's going to have any money to buy a new attraction in 2021 with the financial hits they're taking this year. So you might as well take whatever you're going to debut this year, hold on till next year when you can get some promotional bang for the buck on it. Make that your new attraction and just you know get through 2020 as best you can. Now, the stuff that was absolutely ready to go, like the Universal Ride, I, ex I expect to see that open. But other coasters around the park, I think we might see those waiting until 2021 before they debut. Wow. The uh, food at the park, you know, of course, I love the the restaurants. You've turned me mm -hmm. on, frankly. Uh, you and, and all of our friends at Theme Park Insider turned me on to some really cool restaurants at different parks across the country. What are we going to see different, though? I'm sure it's going to be much like my local uh, uh, takeout place now. Yeah, get ready for mobile ordering. That's going to be the big thing. Disney's had that for a while. Universal was beginning to implement it. I'm hearing Six Flags is going to go in that direction, too. So, yeah, no more waiting in the queue. Uh, decide what you want. Hand them the money. It's going to be you order it on your phone just like you're at Starbucks or someplace like that. They, they buzz you when it's ready, and you go pick it up from a separate counter so that uh, you know there's none of that waiting or touching anything other than your own phone involved anymore. When it comes to your phone, it sounds like, you, you know, you've, you've talked a few times already in the short mm -hmm. time we've been talking, Robert, about your phone. Sounds like 
faster than ever now, all these parks going to uh, some type of a mobile access system. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's going to be the key for everything going forward, your admission into the park, your reservations to get on particular rides, the way that you pay for food and maybe even merchandise going forward. Really, it's going to become pretty much impossible to go to a park without a mobile phone using the park's app because they're just going to put all of that personal contact that you had with people in the park, you know, taking your orders, ringing you up places, checking your tickets, all that's going to be replaced by an app uh, because that's a way that they can promote social distancing and reduce the physical contact through which the virus might spread. I mean, in some ways, I think this innovation is good long-term stuff, don't you? Or is this a setback? Well, it's interesting because one of the things that theme parks have always used as one of their selling points is their people. Uh, It is that relationship that you have with the people in the park, uh, just the friendly greetings that you get, people who can help you navigate your day. Uh, So I I think there's a little bit of a risk if you make the, the environment too sterile, if you will, emotionally, by doing everything through an app as opposed to personal contact. So parks are going to have to find a way that they can still have that type of personality and friendliness in the park, even if they're using their app for more and more functionality. But at the same time, this opens up a lot of possibilities for them as well, because you can create entire new admission products based on this. I mean, if you're not just going with, okay, everybody pick a queue and get in it, uh, you have the opportunity to kind of create some more curated experiences, kind of like Disney's long done with their guided tours and stuff. But, you know, you could do it at a variety of price points instead of the premium that Disney was charging. You know, you just, you only got time for half a day at Six Flags here. Well, let's put an itinerary together for you. You just buy that, come in with your phone and, you know, breeze through the thing. So there could be a lot of innovation happening at this point. It's just necessity has forced them to start going in a direction that they might not have considered before. Yeah. I have to tell you the Jungle Cruise skipper thing on the Disney <laughs> app is made me laugh so hard the last couple of days. Some of those jokes, if you don't have the Disney app, are so bad. As you know, Robert, they're so bad mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, they're oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. I actually did not spend any time in the jungle when I worked there. It was amazing. I worked in the Magic Kingdom on the west side. I think I was the only guy there who never got trained on jungle, but I made jokes on Tom Sawyer Island, so <laughs> I tried to make up for it. So, but, uh, but that's the thing. You've got to have that personality in the app. You've got to have that kind of fun, that spirit that uh, the cast members or the team members or the uh, ambassadors would have when you're in the park. Because if you're just going with a, a dry – and if, if it seems like you're going to Starbucks, what's the point? You've got to have some fun with it. The the number of times you and I have talked, we've always kind of talked around your time at Disney as an employee. What really left an impression on you when you were there? Oh, it's just, I mean, you're part of a show, man. And that is fun. I mean, and you're not just part of a show. You're a part of one of the longest running, most successful shows in entertainment history. It is a rush to really be part of that. Now, I was fortunate. I was an attraction. So you really feel like, you know, you're at the front of the stage with a spotlight on you. Uh, yeah, I spent a little time in merchandise and I didn't feel quite as much a part of the show as I did in attractions because you know, that's what people are waiting in line to do is go on those rides. And it is just so much fun to meet people from all around the world, uh, to get to talk with them, uh, whether it's just for a split second while you're loading them on the Big Thunder Mountain or several minutes while they're getting ready for the parade to come by. It is just a great joy to be part of a world-class production like that. How has that changed your career? Like, are there any, any things that you do now that are specifically because of the customer service or the show that you talk about that you learned at Disney? 
Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm still kind of in that, and that really I'm, I'm covering true. parks for, yeah. instead of working in them. But it, it's the same attitude that you bring to it. Is that uh, it's the same attitude that you had when somebody came up to you and said, you know, how do I get over here? What should I do next? It's just instead of doing that for one person at a time, I'm doing it for tens of thousands of people a day. So you have to figure out how to scale that up. But uh, when it comes down to it, the attitude is just the same. You have to care about what people want to do, have some interest in them, and try and do best by them. And if you can do that, then uh, then things will work out. It totally what you're talking about makes me think of that uh, phrase that we don't hear enough, which is if you want to be interesting, be interested. And I always yeah. kind of feel like when I'm at Disney, part of my love it, it's, I feel like the employees are interested in me. Yeah, I mean it is. You don't last there very long if you're not a theme park fan. You either become a theme park fan or you come into it as a theme park fan. I came into it as a theme park fan, and I, I left an even bigger theme park fan. Well, I can tell. You, you might have made a website about it, right? Yeah, might have. Might have. <laughs> but the thing about it is that you quickly realize that all these people who come here are theme park fans just like you. Uh, maybe you know, they're not just like you, but they're, they're, they're a fan. You share that. You've got that in common. So even if you're coming from completely different continents, you, you don't even really speak the same language, you have in common the fact that you all love these theme parks. You love these attractions. You love being here. And as much as it can be frustrating at sometimes when people start asking you questions like, you know, what time is the three o'clock parade? You find a way to get beyond that, and uh, you, know, you, you find what people actually – What you, you, you figure out the question they're really asking you, which is what time does the 3 o'clock parade get here? Yeah. And uh, you, know, you, just, you just go from there. But uh, once you realize that you're, you're all fans together, you know, it's like being at a big football game, being in an audience of a concert or a show. Uh, you've got something that brings you all together, and just it just it feels good to be part of a group like that. Well, as you know, we're fans of uh, Theme Park Insider. But before I ask you what's going on at the site, Robert, I just have one more question. Is there anything about this response that you've seen from different uh, parks around the country that surprised you? I, I was really surprised to see the extent to which parks are embracing technology, frankly. I, I didn't expect to see Six Flags roll out uh, as sophisticated an advanced reservation system as they have. I didn't really expect to see parks turn so much into to virtual queuing. I thought that we were going to see a lot more kind of, a, you know, an old fashioned approach to things with this or just maybe using pricing or something to try and keep stuff down. But, uh, you know, when this thing first started, parks just kind of turtled. Uh, you didn't really see anyone engaging out on social media. You didn't really hear much about what was going to happen. But in the last month or so, I think the industry has really rallied and they're coming up with solutions that uh, not only might work in the short term for getting through this whole thing, but create some real long term opportunities for new products and new ways of, of managing customers that we might not have seen developed as quickly before. So, uh, you know, it's gone from just a lot of shock to pessimism to a lot of optimism in the industry at this point. Yeah, that virtual queue, man, we could keep that forever. I would love that. Yeah, I mean, I I think some people kind of are hostile to the idea of having to, you know, use your phones for so many things. Right. But, uh, you know, there is one park that is all virtual queues, and that's uh, Universal Orlando's Volcano Bay Water Park. 
I love that place because I don't have to stand in lines. I can be doing stuff at all times. And I think once you get to that kind of attitude, once you've had that experience, it's really kind of hard to go back. So I think that's something that might stick around after this whole thing is over. If only there were a website where people could get the latest if information. Only, <laughs> if only there were such a place. Wait a minute. I think there is. <laughs> Tell me about it. What's what's uh, happening new besides new news all the time at Theme Park Insider, Robert? If that's not enough for you. That's not enough for you. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. You know, we are we are staying on top of everything that is happening, not just in the United States, but all around the world right now. Because Shanghai Disneyland has reopened. Parks in Europe are opening um, starting at the end of May and into June. We're going to see reopenings there. We've got Holiday World reopening in June. Disney Springs and uh, City Walk in Orlando are uh, beginning to reopen at the end of May. And honestly, and for when the parks actually do reopen, we have new international ticket partners selling tickets to you know pretty much all of the top theme parks around the world. You can buy via themeparkinsider.com and you know, set the date and time that you want to come visit. So we'll take care of you while we're waiting for the parks to reopen, and then we'll take care of you once the parks are open as well. I got to tell you, I absolutely love hanging out there. And uh, I, I just always, man, before I go spend a lot of money on a theme park visit, it's a great way to make sure that it's going to be worth the money. Mr. Niles. So happy. And, and under better circumstances, I, I, I was I was hoping for better circumstances. But besides that, man, great being able to hang out with you again for our annual visit. I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the call because, you know, when those little dolls start singing again, I'm going to go nuts. I got to have <laughs> somebody else to talk to. Hey, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Step right up. Because I have an important announcement. Robert Niles' appearance reminded me that unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond our control, my annual carnival at Joe's mom's backyard has been postponed. Which is a shame, because if you haven't joined us before, you don't know that this thing is an absolute bomb that really brings the neighborhood together. Well, even though you won't be able to sit in my El Camino for 10 small dollars until there's a vaccine. Uh, you can still take a ride on today's trivia question. See what I did there? The question is, what U.S. theme park chain has the most individual parks? And heck, I might even throw in some free tickets to my 2021 carnival if you can name all the parks. Work on that, stackers, and I'll be back sooner than you can, uh, I don't know, like throw a dart at the balloon in a clown's mouth or whatever man nothing more exciting than being able to find top-notch talent very quickly and lately we've had to move quickly because as if you've listened to the show for a while you've noticed we've had a few more sound effects and people on the show than usual and oh gee it's all thanks to fiverr for doing that because finding freelance talent for your business or project can be incredibly difficult. A lot of the time you have to quickly pivot to meet a goal. Maybe an unexpected obstacle occurs or this, uh, let's say a pandemic gets in your way and all of a sudden there aren't as many advertisers as you had before and you need to fill some time slots, you know, hypothetically. That doesn't happen, does it? That doesn't with uh, fake coffee commercials or index funds or 
or Spanish made easy or whatever it might be like hypothetically. Uh, so where do we go to find our on-demand talent? How much will it cost? How can we be certain they'll deliver? Well, we go to Fiverr. Fiverr's platform helps keep businesses moving with a network of trusted freelance talent. And by the way, we use it for voice acting, but it's not just for that. If you need somebody to proofread a document to write something for you, you need video support, tech support, whatever it might be. Plugging people in has never been easier than with Fiverr. So whether you're launching your first business and want some expertise, you're scaling the current business, or you're in need of some extra support to just get that project finished, Fiverr's here to help you evolve, adapt, and grow. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. What I like about it is that you can search by service, you can search by deadline, price, reviews, more, so you're going to know exactly what you're paying for up front, no negotiating needed, 24-7 customer support, quality talent you can count on, and sellers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world. Finding talent for your project, never been easier. Review seller ratings, buyer feedback, and select the right freelancer based on your budget. Check out Fiverr.com today and receive 10% off your first order by using code SB just because you're a stacker. It's going to be 10% off your first order. Super easy. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code SB. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code SB. Hey, stackers, I'm your amazing trivia thrill ride host, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. While I'm still sad, I can't delight the community with my annual neighborhood carnival this year. It's, uh, you know, it's still fun to think back on all the crowd pleasers. Joe's mom wanted the pool clean, so I created the fantastic bobbing for leaves attraction. The kids loved it. Sure, it wasn't the same hit after little neighbor Scotty dropped his retainer in the pool, but hey... Audience tastes change, and great entertainers have to roll with the time, am I right? Another great one you can't forget was pin the tail on Joe's mom. Although, you know, you, you really just get one go at it before she loses her complete on the winner. I mean, holy crap, that lady. Woo! Okay, and one that didn't go over like I'd expected, that's got to be Guess Your Weight with OG. Maybe a free preview with OG walking around the yard yelling out people's weight wasn't the gimmick that attraction needed. Uh, who knew? But what I do know is the answer to today's trivia question, which was this. What theme park chain has the most individual parks? While Cedar Fair and Bush Gardens have a few parks, it's a couple, it's Six Flags that weighs in as the winner with an amazing 23 individual parks. Whoa! Now, can you guess all of their names? I'll tell you what. If you manage to get all 23 parks, uh, A, you need a hobby. B, go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash carnival. I'm not kidding. Do it. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash carnival. And Joe and OG would love to pay for airfare and all expenses to get you out to my famous, soon to be acquired by Six Flags for sure, carnival when it reopens. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash carnival to make your dreams come true. All right. I better get started planning next year. See ya. If there's 23 parks... And there's only six flags. Do they like rotate the flags among the parks? How does that work?
You're exactly right. That's exactly how they do it. It's it is it's like it, a lottery. It's very difficult. Once you recruit more parks, then you get more flags. You really only have to get like one park and then you got to get that park to get a couple more parks and then you don't have to get parks anymore because all your other parks are making parks. It's really cool. Before you know it, your park is sitting back empty and nobody cares because And nobody cares because you've got all these other parks underneath yeah, you. Yeah, your park can be closed all the time. Also making parks. Yeah. Get rid of all that overhead and bam, that park sits around with its feet up. Yeah. And if you're bored, you can also sell like leggings on Facebook. What is that? <laughs> is, that, is that random or is there something there? I think some people get that. All right. Obviously not you. <laughs> Apparently not me. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Avon Lifeline before it gets any weirder and uh, throw out uh, that, yeah, have to, I already said that. Uh, we'll tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Um, MLM schemes that involve parks. Theme, theme parks, yes. It's actually loved ones in your time, but you could get them hooked in too because then they're your first downline people, all your loved ones. Isn't that what happens? Get your friends and family involved. I think that's the only thing that happens. That is, that's very true. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple, so you could spend more time roping your friends into your MLM. Don't waste time getting life insurance when you could spend all that time increasing your downline. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. We say it here over and over, OG, but their application is super simple, something that doesn't happen in the life insurance industry. Their prices are unbelievably affordable. Policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is a more than 160-year-old insurer. You don't have to wait several weeks for a decision. They have super customer support. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Lisa. Say hi, Lisa. Good morning. This is Lisa. I have an HSA, and I'm going to be starting a new HSA, and I want to know if you can combine them, similar to like what you do for 401ks and an IRA. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, great question, Lisa. We even had that question before. That's great. So with the proliferation lately, OG, like that $100 word, huh? Proliferation. You're welcome, America. Uh, with so many... HSAs and people might have one from an old job. They got one from a new job. Can I roll them over? Can I combine them? The answer is yes. And it gets even better than that. Unlike your workplace plan, your 401k or simple IRA or whatever you have through work, you're not even required to use the one that the company quote unquote gives you. Now there may be some rules that the company has like, Hey, we're only going to put our matching contributions into this, you know, this particular one, but there's no rule that says you have to keep that there. So if you find an HSA provider that is lower cost or has better options for you or is easier to, easier to deal with, you can do a rollover just like you do a rollover from IRA to IRA or 401k to IRA whenever you want. So we always tell people, hey, take the free money from your company. If the product that they're providing, the HSA that they're providing isn't great, then just once a year, take that money out or almost all of it, and roll it into the one that you are managing correctly, you know, that's maybe linked with a brokerage account that you like or, you know, whatever. And you can do that uh, as often as you'd like. So you can combine them, you can move them. It's really great. Every year we have the people from Morningstar on Lisa who evaluate these plans. And we did it again this last fall. 
So uh, Richie will link to those in the show notes for us. And you'll be able to, uh, if you want to click that link and go back to that episode, you can hear commentary about how good some HSAs are and frankly, how bad some other ones are. So you can make a good decision. Also, uh, we'll link there to the actual piece that Morningstar had if you want to uh, read their report. I would think that's a pretty good idea, OG, overall. Oh, to consolidate it? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just like one of the one of the knocks on workplace plans, of course, is that you change jobs a couple of times and you've got a couple of different places where you're managing money. And you may find that, hey, this IRA custodian is better than that 401k and you know, they have better options over here, over there, or this is lower cost or whatever, but you're stuck with an HSA. You just move it. If you want it to be in this one with your other stuff, you just do it. That's great. I've often wondered about that, about if there's ways to streamline that, especially since, you know, being in Michigan for just over a year, Cheryl works for a company for just over a year, has this one year of her, of her work history that's in another 401k and it's just another couple hours of your life. You're not going to get back rolling that thing over that you really, it just seems like they could really streamline that system. <laughs> sure. It's all, yes, they could, but it's not going to happen. What's that? I've been quoting that Jack Welch quote a lot lately. F- face reality the way it is, not the way you wish it were. No kidding. Another instance of that. Hey, thanks, Lisa, for that question. We're going to send Lisa out some swag, a uh, Stacking Benjamin's Haven Life Greatest Money Show on Earth shirt. If you've got a question for OG and I, step up to the mic. It's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Just a couple more housekeeping things before we're out of here. Hey, big thanks to everybody who's hung out with us in our basement Facebook group. The last few weeks, it is. I have had more flipping laughs from some of the memes that people share, and uh, some of the great discussions about money we've had there have been. Um, usually, they bring it OG, but I think the Facebook group has been especially great lately. Did you see all the people? Um, our friend Susan had a post about Acorns hiring a Rod to talk about <laughs> to talk about their company. I didn't see that one. I'll have to look at that one. Can you imagine, like, like who decided that having Alex Rodriguez talk about how truthful and honest and great your company is? Like, like who, who, who made that decision? Regardless of whether A-Rod, for the people who don't know who A-Rod is, Alex Rodriguez was a baseball player for a long time. Kind of controversial. Really? You think so? I think he's a good spokesperson. Alex Rodriguez? I couldn't stand him when he was a baseball player still comes across as very plasticky to me. Uh, he's getting better, you know? Yeah. I think he's getting better. I think. And even when he played, he was the one player that would always look back at the catcher to see where the ball was going, which was always not illegal, just pretty, pretty annoying. He was also the king of the getting the hit when it didn't matter, but couldn't do anything when it mattered. can tell that you're not an A-Rod fan. I'm a big A-Rod fan. Anyway, credit Susan though. With uh, the fact there, OG, that I'm not alone because uh, she posted a link to the Twitter stream that went after <laughs> that went after Acorns when they brought in Alex Rodriguez. You haven't seen that yet. Oh, it is. Uh, I'll I, check it out. I think I think Brutal's putting it kindly. And of course, last but not least, if you're somebody who needs help in your corner, 
with your financial planning need to upgrade your team. OG and his team are taking clients and you can get on their calendar by heading to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. Very simple. Coming up on Wednesday, we continue our run up to Memorial Day. This is always one of my favorite weeks. We have such, we always have Robert Niles and I love having a chef on. We're going to talk to Cassandra Reeder, who's the geeky chef, because since we're all at home watching all kinds of geeky movies, TV shows, playing geeky video games, Cassandra is the geeky chef and she has a cookbook and a bartender guide on how to make food and drinks around your favorite, your favorite themes. So whether it's Firefly or Star Wars or Harry Potter, whatever it is, uh, Skyrim, we've, we've got you covered. Some people listening going, I don't know any of those. <laughs> but for those of you that do, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun anyway. We'll see you back here Wednesday. OG, see you Wednesday. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Cyber criminals are eager to take advantage of desperate consumers. In general, be wary of any strange communication you get via text or email and make sure to contact the company directly on a number listed on their website. Second, take a lesson from Robert Niles. Theme parks might be a great option this summer when it comes to your wallet, but there also might be still some worries about the virus. You'll have to weigh all of the deals and the spread of coronavirus before deciding whether it's worth your while. But the big takeaway? Turns out, Joe and OG are not okay with paying for airfare for our trivia winner. They said, if we have a winner, money's coming out of my paycheck. Yeah, but, but Joe, I don't, I don't get a paycheck. I, maybe we should start there. How come I don't get a... Hey, I don't get a paycheck, man. Big thanks to Robert Niles for joining us today. You'll find all of Robert's tips at themeparkinsider.com or you'll find a link on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rudder-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at S. Benjamins Cast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm wondering if KY Jelly is actually made in Kentucky. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Hey, I'm going to keep negotiating with Joe and OG about next year's carnival. Want to apply? I've set up a page on the website. It's, uh, it's if you didn't catch it the 16 times before that I said it, it's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash carnival. You can put your name in there. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. I'll hire you. It's a pretty difficult interview process, but you might just have the stuff for Neighbor Doug's Carnival Extravaganza.
early on during this whole staying at home thing, uh, speaking of Susan in the basement, she posted that meme that said, uh, I just finished Netflix and I'm starting to feel like that. Like I've seen everything. So I thought maybe we'd go through some of the stuff that we've been watching. I just watched season four of the last kingdom for people that don't know what the last kingdom is. It's a story, uh, that a lot of people say that if you like game of Thrones, you'll like the last kingdom. Similarly, some people say even better, including the guy that created game of Thrones, the last couple of seasons, uh, as game of Thrones spun out of control, uh, he was not very happy. And I remember the day, the last, I think it's the day the last episode came out. He, he tweeted, Hey, look, there's going to be a new season of, of last kingdom. Not, not a vote of confidence. Fantastic. Again, what I've said about this in the past for people new to the show is the last kingdom shows you a lot about that time frame and about the military tactics. And it's become less so over the four seasons that they've had this season, not as strong as season three. I thought season one was phenomenal. Season two, even better. Season three was the best season of all, which doesn't happen very often. Season four, like a warm blanket, you know, the characters, you know, the story, uh, it's just more of the same. So for some people, I think it's, it's going to be just okay. Okay. To good. It, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the must watch TV that I had with season uh, one, two, and three. Uh, but still a thumb up on that one. What's the series you've been watching? Well, I am um, probably a th- halfway through Schitt's Creek, which just continues to get funnier and funnier. It's so um, compelling. What great TV. That's really good. I'll tell you the thing that I've enjoyed the most uh, lately. I got through Homeland, and, which and, and, is and, awesome. And you asked me three times in three days, are you watching Homeland? Like uh, you yeah. asked me that yesterday, it's, but but you liked it that much. It's really good. I mean, it's here's the thing. It's somewhat formulaic. Sure. Like you've got the heroine. She gets in trouble. She figures her way out of trouble. She's almost out of trouble. It gets back into trouble again. And then the season ends. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just you can see how it's likely to go. Um, that's a lot just of finished. This that's series. a lot of seasons in, by the way. That's a ton of seasons. Yeah, they just finished eight. So that one was really good. But Billions is back on again, which is probably my favorite show. It's also on Showtime. But the thing that I've gotten the most out of is the that documentary about the Chicago Bulls called The Last Dance on ESPN. Yeah. You have to watch it in the MA version. You can't watch it on TV because you need the swearing cussing yeah. because it, it just kind of puts a little bit more flavor in there if you can stand it. But um, for those of us who grew up during the nineties and the eighties and, you know, remember Michael Jordan being like this unstoppable thing when you interview him about it and like you hear the stories of how he decided to, yeah, that game I decided to score 55 points because that guy ticked me off and here's why, you know, because some reporter somewhere said that we're equal and I was going to show the world that there was, and, they, and they, they keep on talking. There's a theme in there about how he had already accomplished everything. By the time he won three championships, he was the MVP all those years. He was a finals MVP. He was a scoring champion. He was a defensive champion. He was three back-to-back-to-back NBA champions. Like, he's proven everything he needs to prove. So he had to find things to be competitive about in games. And so he would just randomly pick on somebody and go, yeah, that dude's going down. And then there's, you know, you talking to all these people that were his competitors and they all knew this. And then like the new guy would come in and say something really stupid. Like there's a, 
episode where he has come back from baseball, right? So he went and played baseball. You remember that yeah. he retired, came back and he was wearing number 45 because he didn't want to wear number 23 anymore because that was the thing with his dad. And so he had a really bad game in the playoffs. And this one guy goes, well, I guess 45 isn't the old 23. And <laughs> one of his competitors, yeah, you did it too. And like, it was on a press conference and like all of his teammates were like, oh crap, we're going to lose now. Thanks, Bill. You know, or whatever, just <laughs> because a, he had opened just his a, mouth. You just awakened the giant. Oh, that's exactly what happened. So the next week, the next game, he came out with 23 and scored like 60 points and like just ear hold the dude. Just, just put him in the ground. He came out wearing yeah. number 23. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he is super competitive. You know, they talked about his gambling thing and he's like, I don't have a gambling problem. I've got a competition problem. And watching some of the stuff, if you're, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of Ex- really good people excellence. who are really good at their thing. Yeah. 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 And you watch him and you remember like Michael Jordan is awesome. Like that's what you have in your head. And then you watch these clips again and you're like, this is unreal. The stuff that he was doing. That's why LeBron Inc. was one of my favorite books. I'm not a huge LeBron James fan. I mean, living in Detroit and having uh, LeBron James in Cleveland, or even when I was living in Texas and LeBron James in Cleveland, you know, there's always a, a, a rivalry there between those two cities, which is, means I'm I'm probably not going to be a LeBron fan, but man, the thing I loved about that book was not just his motivation and more about where he came from and how he is who he is, but also the missteps he made. And it was very raw about how he screwed stuff up and then he fought hard to redeem them. And, and, and I love, yeah. I love those stories. I love stories about how I have this huge appreciation for LeBron James now about how he, uh, man, when he, when he messes up, he takes ownership and goes. And but you know, what's funny though. We were talking ship. about my wife, my wife and I were talking about this as well. Michael never screwed up. Yeah. Right. Like all of that pressure that he had, yeah. all of that public, you know, you might say the gambling was a little bit of a screw up, but sure. you know, they interview him about, I mean, he's, you know, he's in his fifties now. And so they're talking to him about it. And he's like, yeah, I like playing cards. I like gambling money. By the way, I make a crap load of it. So when people hear these big numbers of like, yeah, you lost a million dollars. He's like, I did, but I made a hundred million that year. So I don't care. That's like pocket change. Goes back to that. Don't compare the multimillionaires Ferrari with your ability to drive one. Yeah. He was always on stage. He knew, and he could, you could tell that he got tired of it. And he talks about like, I was just tired of it. That's why I retired and all this stuff. But he never had that thing. You know, you're talking about A-Rod earlier. Yeah. There's obviously some controversy about, you know, the steroid use. Did he not? And then he's got the women stuff going on and, you know, whatever. He, there was always some sort of backstory. There was no backstories of Michael Jordan. Nothing. For 20 years. Yeah. You know, he kind of stayed the straight and narrow despite many attempts not to. And, you know, nobody's perfect. But um but he always took time for the kids, you know, to sign autographs and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, anyways, I think it's really good. I think they've got two more episodes left this weekend. They do two a weekend. So it's all pretty much loaded up on ESPN at this point. They're hour long. It's just, it's really good. I mean, stuff like they go into like all the different players. So they have a whole episode on Dennis Rodman and you think Dennis Rodman, 
crazy guy, right? Just psychopath. He's probably the smartest basketball player you don't even know exists. They were talking about how he would have his friends come into the gym and shoot baskets balls from the same spot so that he could memorize the arc of the basketball and where it was and where it would hit the rim and where the ball would ricochet to. So he would know when he would see somebody shooting from that spot, it's going to miss here. The ball's going to ricochet here. That's why he would kill everybody on rebounds. So he was really, really good at his craft. A little eccentric, right? Slightly. Purple hair and lip rings and, you know, whatever. But, but you talk to him and he's a normal person. He's just flamboyant. Yeah. You know, and he's really good at his craft. So... I'm glad that you've been watching some good stuff. I watched a couple of series that weren't that, that good. We went back and watched Pillars of the Earth, uh, which was a big series back around 2010. Cheryl and I were talking about the the books, and I have a board game based on that. And we're like, you know what? There was a series. And uh, here's here's my – not that somebody's going to go back in the vault and watch 2010 like we did. But if you even think you want to, here's the way that series goes. It starts off depressing. I mean, it's got everybody in it, by the way. Donald Sutherland's in it. Eddie Redmayne's in it. There are lots of stars in this thing. Anyway, starts off depressing, gets way, 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 way more depressing. Every single episode for however many episodes there are, six or eight, I don't remember. I wanted to uh, just end it by the fourth episode because I was so depressed because all the bad guys were constantly winning and uh, nothing good could happen. So we finished that off for who knows what reason. Right now we're in the middle of uh, the new hotness that people are talking about called Hollywood. Once again, quite a few stars, OG, in that movie. I don't know if you've seen it on the top of Netflix. Like you turn on Netflix and it says watch Hollywood. I haven't seen that one. I have I have nothing against sex, but holy crap, is there a lot of sex? Like Cheryl and I, if if Hollywood works the way that uh the way that this thing shows that it worked in the end of the forties, early fifties, the whole thing is just nonstop sex. And it really, there is, there has, we're on episode four. So I'm not a quitter. It tells you that I, I just stuck with it. However, finally I have something that isn't um, some uh, salacious sex thing that was a good part of the show. There were actually was a, was a speech by one of the main characters in the show that finally Cheryl and I turned it off and go and went, man, we finally got something. So, so far not loving Hollywood. All I heard about the first few days it was out was how great it was and how I had to watch it. And so I was super excited to watch it and no bueno, huh? No, not just not enough story for me. Every time it starts to get into the story, we just get about six more sex scenes. Cool. So what channel is this on? <laughs> well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's military appreciation month and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers. 
and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.